so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Man, Lord, we declare you deserve the glory in this house. You deserve the glory in every house. So in every place we're gathered this morning, whether it's those here in the building, whether it's uh, those uh, connecting via the live stream at home, just in your hearts, just lift him up and give him glory now. He's above all things. All things are by him and through him and for him. He is worthy to receive all honour, all glory and all praise. Yeah, Jesus, it's been extra effort to be and do the church in this season, to be and do church in this season, to, to gather to worship you, both for those who are putting that out, but also at home it's, it's been different, Lord. But we declare that you are worthy of it. You are worthy of so much more than we bring. But this morning we, we just want to give you this time and we want to declare that you are worthy of our entire lives and we dedicate this time to you to worship you to dwell in your presence to be shaped by you and by your spirit and by your word as we gather together here and in homes to be as iron sharpening iron. Whatever the burden, whatever the effort it's taken, we declare that you are worthy of it all and so much more. And so we give you praise this morning. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you so much, Eliza. I can't wait till we can sing along um, and give praise with our voice. Uh, welcome once more uh, to those in our building. A, a few more have arrived. Um, so a very special welcome to everyone here. Very special welcome again to everyone at home who's joined us uh, this morning. Uh, a quick testimony. Uh, last week we were praying for Jess who was about to have surgery, uh, but we're also praying around finances because the insurance company had pulled the rug out from under her a few days before the surgery and said, oh, we weren't going to pay anymore. So I got a call um, on uh, Tuesday, the day before Jess's surgery, uh, from Jess, and she, I said, oh, hi, Jess, how are you going? Um, and um, she said, do you know how good God is? Uh, to which my response was, yes, I do, uh, but always happy to hear more about that. Um, my wife, Christy, um, has been listening to this song and shared with me. It's called Evidence, and it's about the evidence of God's goodness. So I actually said I'm always happy to hear more evidence uh, to confirm the goodness of God. And so the day before her surgery, um, as we'd been praying would be the case, the insurance company, instead of saying it's going to cost you, I think it was over $2,500, if you pay us $50 more, we'll cover it all because there was days, and I don't understand insurance companies um, at all, uh, but 
Uh, long story short of that is the testimony is instead of $2,500 extra on top of what she'd already paid, Jess had to pay about fifty, I think. Um, and so she was very excited. We, we continue to pray for Jess. She's in a fair bit of pain as a result of that surgery. So we want to keep uh, praying for her um, for that pain. Uh, another testimony, which I believe will be okay to share because Jacob is here in the building. Uh, Jacob, who we were praying for last week as well, has recovered enough to be here uh, and that's good uh, as well. And there's testimonies around repairing of cars and things like that in that story and God's grace has been good in the midst of a difficult, yet another difficult uh, couple of weeks for Jill and Jacob. Um, so I'm going to pray for, for, for those and for all who are uh, unwell this morning. Uh, and um, then we're going to come to our time of Bible reading. So, Father, we, we do pray for Jess this morning. We pray that your healing would be upon her. We thank you for the testimony of your uh, working a insurance company miracle, which must be above uh, a lot of other kind of miracles, Lord. It seems impossible at times. So we thank you for the working of that miracle, and we pray right now in Jesus' name, as I believe Jess is joining us online this morning, that she would be healed of her pain that there be a, a lifting off of pain in the name of Jesus from her in, in this moment and going forward as well, Lord. Amen. And we pray for Jacob. We thank you for his recovery to so far. We pray that that would continue and be complete. We just declare again the word of the name of Caleb over him, that he is one despite his age who will be one who will fight for the name of the Lord for many years to come. And so we pray that you'd restore his strength fully uh, and re- restore... Uh, the mental capacity that's been drained by the weariness of all this uh, surgery and, and, and health battles, Lord, we pray that you'd restore him to full strength. Uh, we pray over all those that uh, we're not mentioning by name this morning but that are part of our church family who are unwell or their relatives, Lord, we pray over them that you would bring fullness of healing and rest- restoration of strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Neil's going to come uh, and he is going to uh, read from the scriptures for us this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thanks, Neil. Thank you and good morning. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 14 till the end of the chapter. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Neil. 
Uh, so, as restrictions are beginning to, to loosen up a little bit, um, we're not sure how how uh, loose they'll become and how quickly at the moment, given what's happened in Victoria and uh, the latest change um, in restrictions hasn't had the, the, as big an impact on um, what it means to gather as a church as we might have hoped, uh, but um, restrictions are loosening up and, and so God's giving us this time to think about how we might allow him to shape the new normal. So instead of just rushing back to the old normal, we've been talking about uh, being the clay that God as the potter shapes uh, into his idea of normal. Uh, and so we've talked about allowing God to shape us and uh, originally I flagged this as maybe we'll talk about some of our, our personal faith life but God steered that I believe more down uh, what does the church look like and so we might jump into some more personal aspects of that um, as we move forward. But we, we've talked about the church gathered uh, and so as we talked about that we talked about iron sharpening iron, we, we talked about participating in our Sunday worship gathering uh, which we're doing right now, either in the building or at home online, uh, but also a focus on getting into smaller groups, into life groups, we call them here, uh, which is just a name about doing life together. Uh, we call them that. We study the Bible in those groups, but it's more uh, a bigger picture than that about doing life together in a smaller groups. Uh, and then last week I talked about serving, that uh, the normal for us as the church, in the church, and as the church in the community, is that we're here to serve. And so this week I, w- I want to talk about sharing our faith. And actually what's, what we're building here is a sense of what does it look like to be a part of the church? Uh, I'm not talking about the core uh, belief of, of faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation. I, I'm not talking about uh, those, um, I guess, doctrinal issues that it means to be a part of the church. I'm talking about what, what do we invest into the church? Uh, what way do we show up into the church? What does it mean to actually be a part of the, this church community? And so I'd suggest as we're building this picture, it looks like, yeah, I participate in worship on a Sunday with my church family, but I also want to engage in a smaller group uh, to do life in faith with them. It looks like I serve in, in ministry and mission through the church and in, in the community, and it also, I believe, looks like sharing our faith freely. Uh, The fifth one of that, I said five things, which I'm not talking about this one this morning, but is, I believe, contributing generously in in our giving uh, to the mission of the church. Uh, So this morning I want to zero in on that sharing of our faith. And so I believe the new normal, in fact what the normal should be for us as the church that God's shaping us towards is one of sharing our faith freely and boldly. That's Actually, the working through us that, that God's plan not just to shape us, but to shape the whole world, to reshape the whole world comes to pass. Uh, recently, we talked about uh, God's uh, mission that's unchanged despite the uh, changing world around us. Sorry, I double-clicked my slide. Uh, and, and so we, we looked at the Great Commission. Jesus' last words to his disciples, uh, he commissioned them to a mission that has not changed. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And then he had that, has that promise of his presence at the end. 
And so we talked about this great commission, this mission that has not changed despite the changes in the world we've seen recently. It has not changed despite how much the world has changed over the 2,000 years or so, give or take that, uh, have, have come to pass since Jesus great, gave this great commission. It's our mission and it does not change. But sometimes when, when we kind of focus on the great commission, as we should, what we can actually grab from that is a sense of obedience, which is a good thing. But we can, we can sometimes take on this idea of sharing our faith, making disciples as a burden, as an obligation, as, as something we must do, but we don't really want to do. And so this morning, because we recently talked about the Great Commission and the mission, you can go back on YouTube or Facebook and watch that message. You can listen to it on the podcast. I'm not going to dig back into that this morning. What I'm going to do is I want to take a look at this idea of sharing our faith from the other end. So not from you know Jesus' command down to us, but, but from those we're sharing it to. Because the truth is we share our faith not for our sake. Just as Jesus didn't die for his own sake, but for the sake of, of others that they might be saved, we don't share our faith for our own sake. It's not for us. It's not so that we can add to the attendance on a Sunday morning. It's not so that we can add to our club that, that we can say, yeah, there's, there's more uh, Christians now than there are other religions. It's not about that. We share our faith for the sake of those who we share it to. Two Corinthians uh, 5, 14 and 15, which is part of what uh, Neil read for us this morning. Uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about his role as a, as a Christian missionary, as an apostle. He, he's talking about uh, what that looks like uh, to the church in Corinth and, and, and who he was to them. It's in a sense a defense of his position uh, in the church, but, but for the sake of the church so that they're not led astray by, by others. And in verse 14 and 15 he says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and if he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again and so he says Christ's love compels us See, it's not just a command, it's not just an obligation, it's not just a duty that's not fun, but we, but we have to do it because Jesus said so. It's actually something that the Apostle Paul says for him and, and for his fellow workers in the gospel. It's something that comes from a compulsion of Christ's love for the person that they're sharing their faith with. This word gospel, which is, is, is uh, what we share when we share our faith, it's the gospel, it means good news. It's, it's a gospel that brings freedom, forgiveness, it brings life, it brings salvation. It's good news. When I think about good news, I imagine uh, a free ice cream shop opening up on, uh, on Kuma Street in Yass. And if I learnt about that free ice cream shop and I told you about that free ice cream shop, you would not hate me for sharing that with you. Your waistline might hate 
me or there might be reasons why you would, would, would not, but, but it's good news. Everyone wants to hear about free ice cream, especially, you know, we can make it dietary requirement applicable if they've got gluten free, if they've got dairy free, if they've got all of the freeze, then, then no one's going to be upset hearing about free ice cream because it's good news. Well, the gospel is good news. It's much better news than free ice cream. So we shouldn't be worried or ashamed of sharing it. Down uh, towards the end of the reading that Neil read for us in verse 20 and 21, Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so that Paul sees himself as Christ's ambassador. It's, it's Christ's love for the other that compels him to share his faith with them. And he acts in the role of being an ambassador for God. It's actually God's love that wants to see that person reconciled to, to himself. And so we stand as the ambassador, as the one sent out to share our faith, to make that appeal to those that don't yet know Jesus, that they would be reconciled to God. And, and when we, when we, another way of saying that is get right with God, and, and we might say to people who don't know Jesus, well, you need to get right with God, but if we just said that, they would think, well, I've got to live right, I've got to fly straight, I've, I've got to get my act together. And so Paul, in the same breath as saying that God's making this appeal to be reconciled, reminds those he's writing this letter to that what that means is that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's what being reconciled means. That's how it's done. It's through putting our faith in him who had no sin, who became sin for us. The gospel, our faith is good news. It's not just an obligation that Jesus said so, so I've got to do it. It's something we do for the sake of those that don't yet know Jesus. So this morning I, I want to just touch on, on two things. Firstly, I want to remind us of, of how good news, how good that good news is. Of how amazing, so to speak, the ice cream is. Because sometimes we might forget how, how tasty ice cream is and we might think, oh, free ice cream. Nah. Or if I, if I say to you, oh, there's a free ice cream shop down on Kuma Street. Well, I'm not really sharing the goodness of the ice cream. I'm, I'm, you know, there's a shop down there. I'm not sure. I don't really know what they sell, but I, I heard there's some free stuff. We need to understand how good ice cream is. We need to be excited, in a sense, about the ice cream if we're really going to share the excitement and the goodness of the free ice cream. And the same is true of the gospel. We need to grasp how good this news is. How wonderful our faith is in order to, to be compelled to share it. So I want to do that. And this morning, I just want to have a look at some gospel moments. And by that, what I mean is some, some moments in the Scriptures in the New Testament where people encounter the good news of Jesus in the person of Jesus himself and what that means for their life. But firstly, what is the good news? What is the good news? Do you have a sense of 
of what it is that our faith is about, of, of what the gospel is. Uh, Peter elsewhere in the New Testament in his letter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And so do you, are you ready to give an answer? Do you have a sense of what that gospel message is? And I don't mean have you rehearsed a line. I mean, do you have a heart sense of what the goodness of the good news is? Well, if you don't, well, good, good news. There's more good news. It's all about good news. This morning, I, I want to remind us of what that is. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, there's less on the screen, but I want to read verses 1 to 5. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives us, we're going to look at two sections of this chapter. He gives us such a great reminder as he writes to the church in Ephesus of what the good news is. He says at the beginning of, of chapter 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions, which means sin transgressions and another word for sin sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air that's a euphemism for satan the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath but but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And so that's what the gospel is about, that we were all dead in sin, that we were all deserving of God's wrath because of that sin. But God, instead of wrath, because of his love and because of his mercy, gave us grace. Further down in Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 12 and 13. There's another couple of verses I want to grab for us. <coughs> Paul, writing to Gentiles like us, says, Remember at that time, that time means before Jesus, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, that's God's people, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so with another but, Paul encapsulates what the good news is all about. We were lost and without hope. But through the blood of Jesus, but God has brought us near to him. This is what the good news is about. That we were dead, that we were lost, that we were deserving of wrath, that we were without hope, but God intervened through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we might be found, that we might be saved, that we might be forgiven and receive love and mercy and grace. And so Paul says that's what you were. But for those without Jesus, that's what they still are. And so that's why Christ's love should compel us to share our faith. So the good news is not a set of rules. It's not a set of meetings to attend. It's, it's not a set of religious practices. It's not a club to be a part of. 
sometimes church or Christian life might seem like those things to people that, you know, we're just a group of people who follow a set of rules. We, we, you know, we show up and meet at certain times. We have a bunch of religious practices and we're part of a club. That's what church would be apart from the gospel. Apart from the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's presence, that's, that's essentially what it would be. It'd be just kind of some lifestyle guidance. It'd be, you know, a set of religious practices. And sometimes we strip it down to that. But that's not the good news. The good news is that we who were dead in sin all deserve wrath. We're lost without hope, without purpose. Separate from God, we've been made alive, brought near, reconciled, forgiven, given hope through the great love and mercy and grace of God. So my question is, why would we not want to share that? Why would we be fearful of sharing that? Why would Christ's love not compel us to share that? Why would we not want our family, our friends, our co-workers, strangers, our community to know all about Jesus? Why would we not want to share that? Uh, In John 3.16, in the Gospels, it's disputed whether this is John's reflection on, on Jesus' words or Jesus' words himself, but in any case it captures the heart of the gospel. In verse 16 and 17 of John chapter 3, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That is good news. That is worth every single person on the face of this planet knowing about. We are not trying to recruit club members or rule followers or practitioners of a religion. We are simply trying to share good news. And when this good news shows up in people's lives, it transforms them. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Even in Jesus' own life, though, not every time he spoke, not every time he showed up, not every time the good news was manifest, and in the same in the story of the apostles and the early church, not every time did people respond well to it. There were those that reacted against it. There were those that saw it as a negative thing. But when people really and truly see Jesus, when people see the good news, it transforms them in beautiful ways. In John's Gospel in chapter 4, we see a a story of of Jesus having a conversation with a woman at a well. Uh, If you know the story... um, if you know the scriptures, you'll, you'll know the story fairly well. But suffice to say that um, Jesus, a Jewish man, was in the middle of Samaria 
and he encountered a Samaritan woman and these were two people groups who hated each other. Uh, also in the culture of the time, uh, men didn't really associate one-on-one with women and it was also the middle of the day and this woman came out to the well when it was hot um, so it meant she was trying to avoid other people. As we see her story uh, play out in this encounter with Jesus, the embodiment of good news, we see that she's had several husbands. She's now with a man that's not her husband. She's, she's not had a great life. Uh, she's a person filled with shame. She's trying to hide and run away, but then she encounters Jesus. This woman who's lost and without hope encounters Jesus, and he, he, he shows to her that he knows the truth about her but he also reveals to her that he is the Messiah. And so we read in verse 39 to 42 of of John chapter 4, this woman, after this this meeting of Jesus, runs back into the town where all the people are that she's trying to hide from. And And it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that's Jesus, because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, that's Jesus, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And so this Samaritan woman who's trying to hide from everybody because of her guilt and because of her shame meets Jesus And he shows that he sees everything about her, that nothing is hidden from her eyes, but he still reveals himself to her as the saviour of the world. And she is inspired by that truth to tell other people about it and so that this woman, afraid, ashamed, lost and without hope and without purpose, becomes the evangelist to her town, pointing people towards Jesus. The thing is, Jesus... Nowhere in this story do we see him articulate the fullness of the theology of salvation. But we're told many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. See, sometimes we think we've got to share the whole thing. We've got to give a theological treatise, but Jesus just showed up and was Jesus. He showed up and, and, and revealed that he could see who she truly was and he still loved her, acknowledged her as a human, as someone of value. And her life was transformed in that moment. We can think of other stories. We think, can think of Zacchaeus hiding in a tree because he's a tax collector. He's the betrayer of his people. He's a criminal in the eyes of the Jewish people. He, he's, he's sided with Rome against his people for his own advantage. And so he's hiding in a tree, hoping just to catch a glimpse of Jesus, and Jesus sees him and calls him by name and says, I'm going to have lunch at your house. And the response is is that Zacchaeus' life is transformed, but not just his life. Just like the woman's life wasn't just her life transformed, many believed because of the transformation of her life. Zacchaeus gives half of his money to the poor. He repays uh, those he's um, defrauded of money that, that this one life transformed impacts many. While we're thinking of tax collectors, we can think of Matthew, one of Jesus' 12 apostles that Jesus called sitting at a tax collector's booth. The same kind of life that Zacchaeus had lived, Matthew lived, a tax collector 
Uh, some of the Gospels call him Levi. Levi or Matthew, you will find him showing up in the Gospels, same person. It's interesting that Levi, the Levites were the servants of God. In, in ancient Israel, they were the ones who had no land. Their job was to, to, it says that Levi will have no inheritance of the land. They will inherit the Lord, so to speak. Their inheritance will be the Lord and their, their role was to serve at the temple and, and to provide uh, for the worship of, of the Lord, for God's people. And, um, and so Jesus, in a sense, recalls Levi slash Matthew to his purpose and simply says, come follow me. We can think of a woman with an illness for so many years who one touch of Jesus completely heals her. We can think of a man hanging on a cross. Last week we talked about um, James and John wanting to be at Jesus left and right in his glory and how that was actually, in essence, asking to be crucified next to him, though they didn't realize it. But we can think of those that were on the cross next to Jesus who were not there because they were the greatest. They were there because they were the least. And so in Luke chapter 23, in verse 39, we read about these two men. Sorry, I'm in Luke chapter 22. That's why it's not making sense. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39, we're told that one of the criminals, so Jesus was crucified between two criminals, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so uh, no other person perhaps in in the Gospels, in the New Testament, perhaps all in Scripture, brings into such vivid imagery what we deserved, but also the truth of what we receive when we put our trust in Jesus. This man, there was two men on the cross beside Jesus. One rebuked him, one hurled insults at him. One, I guess, is an example of those who do not receive their encounter with the good news well. They mock it and they rebuke it. But, but on the other side, there is a man who, who sees Jesus, who sees his innocence receiving the punishment that he is receiving that he deserves, not Jesus, that this other man, this criminal deserves. He acknowledges that this is what I deserve. His life has amounted to literally worse than nothing, a shameful execution, but he says that's what my life deserves. But he has this 11th hour literally encounter with the good news personified in the person of Jesus And with the simplest cry of faith, remember me when you're in your kingdom. Simple, but think about how profound that is. He's he's literally beside Jesus, experiencing execution alongside of him, but yet he has the faith 
in that moment to say, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And so Jesus affirms the fruit of his faith and says, truly today you'll be with me in paradise. We might think about people's negative responses to the gospel and and then with, withhold or, or pull back in our sharing of our faith. And that happens. But but this morning my encouragement is let's not let those negative experiences imagined or real rob those who desperately need to hear about Jesus from us sharing our faith to them. Yes, we do it as a obedience to Jesus. He's, he's sent us with the mission to go and make disciples. Yes, we do it uh, out of a, an obligation in a sense, but, but I want us to capture this morning the sharing of our faith because Christ's love for those who we're sharing it with compels us. So that our friends, that our family, that our neighbours, that our co-workers, that our community might have beautiful gospel moments like this woman at the well. She encountered Jesus. Like Zacchaeus encountering Jesus. Like a man on a cross encountering Jesus. Like a woman healed from, from just one touch. I pray that the Holy Spirit stirs up in us a desire, a compulsion that we would want to see those around us experiencing that. Because we are Christ's ambassadors. That's, that means that when we show up, we show up as his representative. Just as Jesus met a woman at a well, when, when you meet a person at a coffee shop, you are the ambassador of Jesus. You are showing up there as his representative. Their encounter with you should be an encounter with Jesus. An opportunity to share our faith in deed and in words. It should be both, but but let's not let the deeds come without words every single time. Christ's love should compel us to want to see everybody we know have an opportunity for a Jesus moment to see him for who he really is, that, that they might experience the fruit of the gospel. Uh, I'm going to pray in a moment. Um, Eliza, you can start coming up. Um, as we're thinking about the new normal, God's really laid on my heart, uh, I guess, an expanded sphere where, yes, Community Baptist Church, and uh, one of the things that um, I... Uh, Shared with friends when I came from Sydney, um, not originally, never, never put me with that label. I'm a country New South Wales boy, but I experienced a time in Sydney um, for 14 years before I moved here with my family. And um, one of the things I reflected on to, to friends not from Yass in ministry was one of the great things about Yass and ministering in a town like Yass is you can draw a circle around it. You can say, that's Yass. And that's who I am called to be on mission to. Uh, obviously, you know, the boundaries expand beyond that. We don't say, oh, you're not from Yas, sorry. You don't get the gospel, but, but that sense of it. Which is hard to do in Sydney because you might draw a line around a, a, a suburb, but you know, then there's people coming here, there and everywhere and driving across Sydney for seven different things a week. And so it's harder to draw a line around a community. 
Uh, but I share that to say is God's really placed on my heart uh, to draw a bigger circle. He, he's, he's placed on my heart a sense of calling not just to Yass, but to the Yass Valley. Um, and so, um, if this works, you may not be able to see it that well on the screen, and my apologies, but, but that's a, a line drawn around the Yass Valley Council, but there's a bite taken out of the top corner, which I don't like, so I want to redraw that back in um, to include our beloved gunning. Um, if you can't see that, I'll, I'll post a thing on Facebook maybe, but... But what, I, what I'm really feeling for us as a church as we think about sharing our faith, as we think about uh, being shaped for a new normal is, is, is having a real heart, not just for Yas and, and for the whole of Yas Valley. And, and again, not that we draw a hard line around that and we say, sorry if you're outside of Yas, you, you don't get Jesus from us, you have to go somewhere else for it. Uh, not that part of one of our vision statements isn't to be part of God's mission uh, outside of local, beyond local, to the rest of our nation and beyond our nation. But I really feel a sense of calling that our, our responsibility as a church is to share Jesus with the Yass Valley. Uh, and we have people who are a part of our church from, from all over the Yass Valley and who come into Yass in a sense. But in this season, I feel like God's uh, placing upon us to, to not draw just into Yass, but to press out, to 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 reach out, whatever that looks like, to all of Yas Valley. Maybe we need to change the name of our church from just Yas to Yas Valley something church, community church, Yas Valley community church. I don't know. That's not the main thing I'm on about. But, but I share that in this context of sharing the gospel because I want us to capture a heart that our responsibility, our calling is to the world, but especially to the Yas Valley as a church that we are called to share Jesus to everybody that we can within that line. And so I want to pray. Hopefully the, the scriptures have spoken to you this morning that you feel a sense of compulsion. But, but if it's just my words, then that'll last maybe two seconds after I wrap up. What I want to pray is that we are so filled with the Holy Spirit's love for us but through the Holy Spirit that we are so filled with Christ's love for the other that doesn't yet know Jesus, that we are compelled deeply, that we cannot contain the good news, that we cannot help but shout and yell about the free ice cream that is Jesus. So I'm going to pray and... Uh, if that's your heart this morning, and if you want that to be you, if you want to be compelled by the love of Jesus, not just out of obligation, but, but out of compulsion from the love of Jesus to share, I just encourage you to give an amen to my prayer. Because we need to acknowledge, I acknowledge that I fall so short in this, that I've, I've, I've mostly shared faith out of obligation or duty, but not out of a compulsion of Christ's love. And so this is my prayer for me. And I, and I encourage you, to, as I said, to say an amen in your heart at least to this prayer uh, if that's you this morning. So Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning and, and more so by your Spirit now that you would stir up in us a fresh awareness of how good the good news is. Yes, 
Come, Holy Spirit. Stir up in us an excitement and enthusiasm for the goodness of the good news. I pray that you strip away the things that we sometimes present our faith as, meetings, rules, religious practices. I pray that you would strip them away from our sense of what the gospel is and that we would be refreshed and renewed in our understanding of the reason for the hope that we have. I pray that we would be filled to overflowing with your love for us by your Spirit. And I pray that we would be filled in such an overwhelming way with your love for those, especially within the Yass Valley, Lord, that don't yet know Jesus, that are lost and without hope, that are dead in their transgressions. I pray that we would be filled with a compelling love for those people that we would share not just out of duty, not just out of obligation, not in fear, but freely and with confidence the good news that can give them hope and purpose, that can give them life and love and salvation. So fill us up with your love for them. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on every heart. Thanks for joining us today. Head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.